Welcome to Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast. This is the first episode, and we at RSC Radio are very excited to partner with the River Parks Authority to make this podcast possible. My name is Tip Crowley. And I'm Ryan Howell. And we are here to bring you information, events, news, and history for one of Tulsa's favorite landmarks, which is Turkey Mountain. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a little of the history of Turkey Mountain and how it became a park that Tulsa's love and enjoy. So stay tuned. This is Urban Wilderness. Support for this podcast comes from Fleet Feet Tulsa Broken Arrow, focused on helping people find properly fitting footwear, offering running and walking training programs from 5K to marathon. With locations in downtown Tulsa, Kings Point, and Broken Arrow. For more information, visit fleetfeettulsa.com. And from Fat Tire Bike Shop, offering bikes and accessories for riders of all ages and skill levels, including mountain, road, gravel, and e-bikes. With locations in downtown Tulsa, South Tulsa, Broken Arrow, and Oklahoma City. More information at phattirebikeshop.com. My name is Tip Crowley, and I'm the general manager of RSU Radio. And once again, we are so excited to partner with the Tulsa River Parks Authority, and especially a face you may recognize if you are a regular on Turkey Mountain's social media, Ryan Howell. All right, so my name is Ryan Howell, and I do a little bit of everything for River Parks regards to Turkey Mountain. So you might have seen our social media if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Um then you would have seen some of the ridiculous jokes I put up there, uh, our Bigfoot hunt last year, and, you know, all sorts of different things. So I'm the guy responsible for all the social media for the park. But I also help coordinate all of the volunteer days. I help coordinate the trail work that happens out there. If a tree falls down in those woods, I'm the guy who gets to go cut that tree up. Um, so you might have seen me around there numerous times. I take pictures, put them on the internet. Uh, and then I do also for the River Parks Authority, I run a lot of the events. So I actually help produce Folds of Honor Freedom Fest, Tulsa's 4th of July, and Lindy Oktoberfest Tulsa, amongst numerous events at the park. So if there's anyone who knows about Turkey Mountain, it's probably you. I would say that I probably know my fair share. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who actually don't know a lot about Turkey Mountain, let's kind of introduce what is Turkey Mountain, what is urban wilderness? So back in 1978, there was a piece of land of about 80 acres, which we now know as around the parking lot, the main parking lot at the urban wilderness. And that 80 acres was the initial seed uh, land that started the whole park of Turkey Mountain. Turkey Mountain is now currently, as it sits today, a 600-acre urban wilderness. Now, what does urban wilderness mean? We actually don't know. We just come up with that name because we thought it sounded nice and it fit the setting of Turkey Mountain really well. It is a green space, a forest in the middle of a city. If you go there now, you'll see that it's surrounded by the Arkansas River on the east, Highway 75 on the west, and on the north, Interstate 44. So it's really boxed in in terms of a green space, but that doesn't mean that it's not a still a wonderful forest. I often tell people when they ask me, like, how do I describe Turkey Mountain? Do you remember when you all were a kid and 
behind one of your friend's houses, they had woods and you were able to go and play and romp in those woods. That's what Turkey Mountain is for Tulsa. It is Tulsa's backyard woods that anybody can go and enjoy. And right now, there's probably 20 miles or so of marked trail that uh, has blazes that you can follow. But then there's probably another 20 or 30 miles of unmarked trail that you can get incredibly lost in up there. It's very popular for hikers, runners, mountain bikers really love or hate Turkey Mountain. And um, we see equestrians up there every once in a while. You see, get to go and see wildlife. It's a beautiful place to get lost in the woods. So as you mentioned, Turkey Mountain, today people know it as a park, as a place you can go hike, as a place that has those blazes. It has designated trails, but it hasn't always been that way. In fact, it hasn't always been a park. We are going to start this series by looking at the history of Turkey Mountain, both before it was a park, uh, how it led into a recreational area, and what it is today. So on today's episode, we are going to look at the distant history of Turkey Mountain. So we'll start with the time right after Manifest Destiny and the expansion of the West. We all might be familiar with the Oklahoma land runs and settlements and allotments. And Turkey Mountain was originally allotted land owned by um, the Native Americans. And then it was sold into private hands. And that those private hands would have been around, that land transaction would have occurred, we don't have exact records, but it would have been somewhere around 1890 that the land that we currently think of as Turkey Mountain was in private hands by a rancher, or a farmer in that area. And we actually have a very cool map that the U.S. Geologic Survey did back in 1896 that shows the land that was Turkey Mountain mapped on it, and it has a couple of farm plots there in 1896. So we don't know exactly who those farms belonged to, but we know there was you know some cattle grazing there and possibly some light ranching, that kind of thing. What's interesting, too, is to look at that map. It actually shows that it's not as wooded as it used to, as we see it now. So the trees were much more dispersed in that time. Then, in the 1920s, Turkey Mountain changed completely. And what happened in the 1920s in Tulsa? Well, some of you might be familiar with Tulsa becoming Boomtown. Tulsa in the 1920s was the oil capital of the world, and Turkey Mountain was an oil field. I know it seems weird to think about Turkey Mountain as an oil field, but have you ever been up there and seen all of the broken glass or the weird cement structures or the random pipes sticking up out of the ground? Well, all of those are features from that oil and gas history in the 1920s. As a matter of fact, if you walk up to Turkey Mountain right now, which has three different marked trails, the red, the blue, and the yellow, and you take the yellow trail from the main trailhead, you'll run into one of these features within the first 500 yards of the trail. And it looks just like a pile of rubble off to the side of the trail, but it's actually part of that history. It's remnants of a foundation for several big tanks that would have stored oil and gas. And then you walk on up the trail a little bit, and you'll see a smattering of broken glass spread out on the ground. And you'll look down at that, and you'll think, ah, these darn teenagers come up here drinking their Bud Lights and smashing their bottles on the ground. Well, that's not what it is. 
That is actually remnants that are 100 years old from when the roughnecks were living out there drilling these oil and gas wells. And what you're seeing is their trash pile. All of those broken bottles are their broken beer bottles from 100 years ago. They're the little ink wells that they would have used to dip their pins in and keep records of how well the oil producing. They're jugs that would have kept the chemicals that would have lubricated the pumps and all sorts of stuff and the kerosene that they would have burned in their lamps in their tents at night as they sat by the drilling rigs making sure they were operating and flowing properly. And you'll see a few of these broken glassy areas if you ever go to Turkey Mountain. And so Next time you go up there, look down at the ground more often and you'll see some really interesting things. And then you go past that glassy area of broken glass and you'll come across an old pump jack stand. It doesn't look like much today. It's just some weird concrete structures, but that's actually one of the wells that was pumping oil out of the ga- ground from 100 years ago. We do have records from this time period on how much oil was extracted from Turkey Mountain and at the height of this boom era it was producing 20,000 barrels of oil a month. 20,000 barrels of oil a month. Now that might not seem like a lot today but back then that was a tremendous amount and if you think about like the history of Tulsa's oil and gas you know it started off with Glen Pool that was one of the first big pools of oil that were discovered and then you know that is immediately south of Turkey Mountain just by what 10 miles or so and so Turkey Mountain was an important resource and it was drilled by numerous different companies in that time to extract the oil. And so I like to take people on a little walking tour and I show them all of these old artifacts and the history and the, the oil and gas and I, and I talk to them about it. And I like to point out that if you go downtown in Tulsa, you'll see this beautiful Art Deco architecture all over the place with you know names like Wade Phillips built and you know that came, became ConocoPhillips and a, and a number of these old oil buildings that are just beautiful and iconic. Well, the oil that was drilled from Turkey Mountain and extracted from Turkey Mountain was the oil that helped build Tulsa's downtown. So I like to think about Turkey Mountain is now considered one of the hearts of Tulsa, one of the, the most beautiful places we have. But 100 years ago, it actually helped create the real heart of Tulsa, the downtown of Tulsa, through the oil and gas that it produced. Turkey Mountain in the 1920s looked incredibly different than it does today. It almost would have been a bald hill because of the oil and gas production. So if you think about what's needed in oil and gas production, you think about those giant um, towers that they would have built, the, the drilling rigs. Back then it was actually sputting, which is a different kind of drilling technique where before they could really drill into the ground, what they did was they just drove a giant stake into the ground and pounded it until they hit oil. And a lot of times they missed. And you can see evidence of where they drilled like three or four holes all in a you know a 20-square-foot space to find the one that actually hit the oil and produced it. And so those giant towers, the giant sputting rigs, would have driven this spike into the ground. About a thousand feet was how far they had to go down, drilling this spike into the ground, lifting it back up and slamming it back down. 
And then once it once the oil well uh, began producing, you know, there was the big explosion, the gusher that they they would iconically see, and you can see evidence at several. If you look around several of the pump jacks up there, you can actually see evidence on the ground where the gushers exploded, and some of that oil residue is a black tariness that you can kind of see around them. So look for those next time you're up there. And then where did the timber come from for all those giant sputting rigs? Well, they came from the woods around Turkey Mountain. They would have used that timber, that those oaks that are up there, to build those logs. And so they would have logged a lot of Turkey Mountain. And if you actually do walk around Turkey Mountain, you'll notice that most of the trees are pretty skinny uh, because they're frankly not that old. They're less than 100 years old. And then there would have been pump jacks all over the place. There would have been roads crisscrossing the place. We probably think there was a railroad track or two that uh, spanned across Turkey Mountain. If you're very familiar with Turkey Mountain, you might know about the wagon wheel on the Blue Trail. That is the most iconic wagon wheel in Tulsa, no doubt. And if you look at it carefully, you'll notice that it was attached to the remnants of a giant sleigh. And that probably would have been pulled by a team of horses, and it would have been so heavy that they likely would have put it on some temporary train tracks that would have enabled it to be more easily moved through the woods. And then they would have hauled the barrels, barrels of oil and then all the timber for building the rigs and you know the pump jacks and all that stuff. So it's very interesting to see all of this oil and gas history throughout Turkey Mountain. So Turkey Mountain produced a lot of oil, and it made... Tulsa, very affluent in the 1920s and 30s. And then the oil dried up. And we have records that the last oil well probably produced up until the 1960s, maybe even into the early 70s. It's kind of hard to tell. Before they were eventually completely abandoned. And if you go up to Turkey Mountain and you see all of these abandoned structures, you'll notice that there's, it really does look sometimes like they just walked away from the pump jacks and the oil um, derricks and stuff like that. And there was actually a very large concerted effort when they started to make movements to make Turkey Mountain a park to do a big cleanup of all of that oil and gas debris. And OERB, the Oklahoma Energy Resources Board, came out and they mitigated several of the wells. They capped them, poured cement down them, kept them from leaking, those kinds of things. So, how did we get to Turkey Mountain being a park that it is today? Well, in about 1978, River Parks was a new park authority. As a little background on that, pop quiz time everybody do you know how many park systems there are in Tulsa there's technically four different park systems in Tulsa you have Tulsa City Parks you have Tulsa County Parks you have the River Parks and then you have the Gathering Place and Guthrie Green which are together ran by Tulsa Community Foundation and the Guthrie Green Gathering Place Limited Liability Corporation so in the 1970s around 1972 Tulsa City and Tulsa County had a bunch of land along the river and the idea formulated to make a park out of it. And Tulsa City said, well, why don't you guys at Tulsa County, you guys manage this land. It's more of a county thing. And the Tulsa County was like, well, no, I mean, there's there's more acres of city land by the river. You guys should really manage it. And 
Tulsa City said, no, 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 we don't want to. You guys go ahead and take it. And so this continued on until somebody came up with the idea of just creating an independent park authority to manage the new park system along the rivers. And thus, River Parks Authority was born. And it is a public-private partnership between the city of Tulsa and Tulsa County that help um, fund it. 25% of our funding comes from the county, 25% of our funding comes from city, and the other 50% River Parks Authority is mandated to make up on its own. And we do that by fundraising. We do that by going around, knocking doors, asking people for money, and we put on big events in Tulsa, like Lindy Oktoberfest and Freedom Fest, our 4th of July event. And the sponsors and proceeds of those events help fund the parks that you see along the rivers. So that happened in 1974. In 1978, one of our board members, a guy named Stephen Jatris, acquired the initial 80 acres of what would become the first remnants of Turkey Mountain. And if you look at the sign as you're pulling into the Turkey Mountain parking lot, you'll actually notice it says Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness Stephen Jatris Recreation Area. And that is because in 1978 he acquired the land and then turned around and donated it to the River Parks Authority to make a park out of. And that's that initial kind of 80 acres that some of you who are very familiar with know as the bomb cellar and the parking lot area. So we were working on making it a park for a couple of years. There's a lot of things you have to do. This is when a lot of the cleanup was happening. They were going around and, and removing all of the dangerous oil wells and remediating a lot of the, those wells at that time and kind of cleaning up that area. And then during that time, River Parks Authority applied for a large grant and was able to acquire another 140-some-odd acres that went straight north of that parking lot area, the this, this lower parking lot, kind of up to the upper parking lot, and then all the way to what people know as the stink plant or the sewage treatment plant on the north end of Mooser Creek. But everything is still east of what park users know as power line. So with those two land chunks combined, on May 7, 1980, Robert LaFortune, who you might know from LaFortune Park, and one of our board members, Travis Freeman and Leonard Eaton, stood up on Turkey Mountain and officially christened Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness. And it was actually Robert LaFortune who donated the original $16,000 that built the first parking lot at Turkey Mountain, which looks nothing like the parking lot that's there today, obviously. It was a small gravel parking lot that had a pipe fencing around it and a small wooden sign that those who have been going to Turkey Mountain for more than 20 years know. So Turkey Mountain, as an urban wilderness, is coming up on its 41st birthday here pretty soon. So then Turkey Mountain became this urban wilderness, and it wasn't utilized as much as we had hoped. Mountain bikers and dirt bikers and some hikers kind of explored it in the 1980s, but it didn't become very popular. A lot of people weren't spending a lot of time outside then. You know, hiking just really wasn't a fashion statement back then, I guess. But in the 1990s, mountain bikers started to discover it. And um, some of the local neighbors really started exploring it more and more and started to form all these different social trails throughout the mountain. Now, keep in mind, the park itself was everything still east of what's known as the, 
the power line trail and everything west which people typically thought of as turkey mountain was actually private property so the social trails began to develop and grow and people used it more and more but still we're talking you know maybe 20 to 30 people a day would visit turkey mountain all through the 1990s and into the early 2000s in 2009 george kaiser uh, donated a lot of money to build a brand new parking lot and restroom facility there at the low what we know as the lower parking lot now and when those facilities went in turkey mountains popularity began to increase because now it had the facilities to support more visitorship so through the 19 early 2010s you would see maybe a hundred people now would visit Turkey Mountain on any given day maybe 200 on a very busy beautiful day but it still wasn't the beloved icon that we know of today. And then in 2015, a mall was proposed. Now, this mall was proposed on private property and it really didn't have anything to do with Turkey Mountain, the actual park, but everybody believed that it was part of Turkey Mountain and so they, they, they protested that action. City Council of Tulsa listened to that action, uh, listened to the um, request of the people and did not allow for a zoning change to occur which effectively shut down the proposed mall. Donors came in and bought the private property after that in after that mall proposal in 2015 and then turned around and donated that land to the River Parks Authority. And so now all of the land that people thought was Turkey Mountain became Turkey Mountain the park as we now have ownership completely over the land or we have a, a, a chunk of ownership in the land to make it a, a park. So that's where we sit at today. And all through, like, so 2015, after the mall action happened and Turkey Mountain land became acquired, attendance really shot up because now people were getting into going outdoors. Mountain biking was becoming more and more popular during this time. And people were really making Turkey Mountain a destination as a place to go be outdoors because we have some state parks like Osage Hills um, and Natural Falls State Park, but these are an hour away for anybody who wants to go enjoy the outdoors. There was nothing really inside Tulsa. You could go to Mohawk or you could go to Oxley, but they had kind of limited options on what you could do there. You can't mountain bike and you can't, um, you know, bring your dogs and those kinds of things. And so people wanted a place where they could recreate that way. And Turkey Mountain became the place to go after 2015. It just, the popularity exploded. So now we're seeing, you know, 500, 600, 1,000 people on a busy day at Turkey Mountain. And we love having all these brand new people come and explore Turkey Mountain and the urban wilderness that it is. And then in 2020, around, say, March 15th, 2020, for no particular reason at all, Turkey Mountain became one of the most popular places in Tulsa because people had nowhere else to go. And attendance at Turkey Mountain went from 1,000 people on a busy day to 6,000 people on a busy day during the time of COVID because there were no other entertainment options. So now Turkey Mountain is almost as popular as the Tulsa Zoo on a busy weekend. And we love having everybody come and have an opportunity to get out and explore the woods. Because if you do go there on a busy day, 
if you walk in a mile, you can feel like you have the place to yourself and you won't hardly see too many people as you're mountain biking or running or hiking with the kids. Anyone who has been to Turkey Mountain recently knows that the popularity is up. You can just, you can see it. You see so many more people on the trails. At times it's amazing because you have all of these new friendly faces out there. Everyone says hi to each other. But I also know that the park is listening to suggestions from its visitors as to how to improve the experience in the future. And that is coming in the form of the master plan that you have coming up. Yeah, it sure is. It's a kind of a great problem to have that everybody has discovered this new area. But as from a management standpoint, what do you do when your attendance goes from 500 people a day, which is very manageable, to 5,000 people a day? Well, you need a plan for that. And thankfully, through some private donations, we were able to develop what we call the Turkey Mountain Master Plan. Back in 2019, we started development of this plan to deal with the influx of in popularity of Turkey Mountain. So kind of after the gathering place had opened up, Tulsa was seeing a lot more visitorship from tourists. And we noticed that a lot of those visitors were coming to Tur- were coming to the gathering place one day and then going to Turkey Mountain the next day. And so we were like, ah, so this is becoming a tourist attraction in addition to a regional draw and a local draw for everybody. And we knew that we needed a plan to help us manage this 600 acres. And so what does that mean by plan? Well, it means just a idea for how to manage this space going forward from here. We tried in the past to manage it as we do any park. We would go out and maintain the trails where we could. And we had groups of volunteers who would help us out. And we built restrooms and picked up trash and those kinds of things. But Turkey Mountain is so much more than that. And it needs a lot more love and attention than that. And so thanks to these private donors, we began developing a master plan. And the first thing we did with the master plan was we asked everybody in Tulsa what their ideas were for the master plan and what they thought Turkey Mountain needed. And based on all of those comments, 4,000 of them, we developed what would become a master plan, which we will cover in depth in a future episode. Even though Turkey Mountain's popularity really exploded as of recent, we can see that the history goes back a lot further than even when it was a park. And it's interesting to see that something as environmentally impactful as drilling for oil actually led to what we have now in our city green space. To close out our first episode, let's take a look at some events coming up at Turkey Mountain. Saturday, June 5th is National Trails Day, so make sure you get outside for that. It's also the grand opening of the Herman and Kate Kaiser YMCA on the north side of Turkey. Happening June 19th is Fleet Feet's Trail Nut 5K. This event offers a 5K or one-mile race. Both are timed with finisher medals. More information can be found at fleetfeettulsa.com. Thank you for tuning in to episode one of Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast, a partnership of RSU Radio and the River Parks Authority. And make sure you tune in to episode two, because Ryan, I know you have some really interesting stories to tell. Indeed, we'll be talking about legends of Spanish gold and Viking visitors to Turkey Mountain. Make sure you hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or catch us on rseradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode. Hope you learned a thing or two.
too and can now spread the good word about Turkey Mountain. Until next time, why don't you go get lost at Turkey Mountain?